Faith in God makes us whole. Health is wholeness, and it is our normal state. There, excuse me, there is no mystery in healing, for God is health. Nona Brooks. Nona Lovell Brooks said that. I'm sure, not another Nona Brooks talk, but I, uh, as you know, we've been doing the, 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 our uh, antecedents, our ancestors of new thoughts. And Nona Brooks is the co-pioneer of the divine science movement, along with her sisters, and uh, Melinda Kramer, who we spoke about a few weeks ago. Now these people, and I'd like to remind everybody, these people who wrote these books and taught these classes and pioneered these movements, they weren't doing it out of generosity because they had more time and money on their hands than they knew what to do with. Uh, this was life and death for them. And uh, they found was what we would call miraculous healing. These people I've been talking about for all these weeks this year, they, they had what we would call miraculous healing. Now, miracles, remember, don't, uh, they don't happen outside of God. They don't happen by luck. What is it? I, I like to, I, I really am fond of Course in Miracles' definition of miracle. It is a correction of perception. It's a change in perception. That's all that a miracle is. Seeing it, instead of seeing it here, I see it here. And everything changes. Now I'll tell you, Nona Brooks was born in 1861 into a family that had numerous health issues and they, they moved to Colorado for an improved health climate. And from there, Nona developed a, a serious throat ailment that made it difficult for her to eat. So for years, she, she could... She said she could barely eat. <laughs> she lost tremendous weight. And a friend of her sister, Althea, met Mrs. Frank Bingham, who had been a student. Uh, actually, she had a cure by way of Emma Curtis Hopkins, you know, our grandmother of New Thought, who we spoke on at the beginning of this series. And they went to classes taught by Mrs. Bingham, who stressed the omnipresence. Not the omnipresence of something, the omnipresence. It's of itself. She stressed that. Omnipre I live in omnipresence. I live in omnipresence. And, but she had. Her, all three sisters repeat, God is my health. I cannot be sick. God is my health. I cannot be sick. God is my health. I cannot be sick. And so they did, and they, they didn't, weren't decided, they were undecided whether they believed it or not. They went to Mrs. Bingham's classes because they were asked to. And their mother said, please go to this woman's classes and see what it's all about and be nice to her and respect her. Uh, but they continued the classes and suddenly Nona Brooks was healed. What happened here? She declared that the whole room, it was like on her fourth lesson, 
fourth class. She declared that the whole room was filled with light, and that evening she ate a regular dinner with her family. And you're eating. How is this possible? I don't know. Because I can. I just suddenly, she had that light experience. And through her affirmations, through her prayers. It's what all these people did. They consciously prayed in a new way. And it seems like a ridiculous way. God is my health. I cannot be sick. That just sounds like something to say because it sounds nice. And uh, you know, think Myrtle Fillmore, I am a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. And then they can sit down and praise her body. Say good things to her body. And first she apologized to her for calling it sick, and then she praised it. You know, these people, they found their affirmations. That just seems so silly, especially in today's modern thinking, where so many teachers have sought to complicate it all. Because everybody's looking for their own catchphrase, their own buzzwords to sell their book, to sell, to get them on TV, to get a TED Talk, to get whatever. These people weren't trying to do that. These, because I've seen a lot of smart preachers who are not having healings. And everything seems to be falling down around them because they don't believe what they're teaching. They, they really do not do that. And Mrs. Bingham had had a healing. She knew that it's possible. You know, my, my catchphrase for me, when I had my, I, I had an instantaneous healing, I was not threatened with death with it, but I, nevertheless, I had an instantaneous physical healing, and it was the Christ in me is awake now. That's why I do that every single Sunday here. It's why I start every personal meditation with it. The Christ in me is awake now. Because I believe in that word, the Christ, and what I believe that Christ is. What I believe that Christ is, is my, my oneness with God. That is my direct relationship with what I call God, the Christ. It's not Jesus, it's the Christ. I also sometimes use, as I've thought here, the superconscious mind in me. It's the same as the Christ. But it, it because some people, you know, they want to get it there. It, it's, they have too negative a connotation or association with the word Christ and any association with Jesus. They can't do it. They won't believe it even though most weeks I do the Christ here. But sometimes in the, in the meditation, the superconscious mind in me is awake now. Because I believe they're at the height of my being. It doesn't necessarily mean the top of my head. It's the top of my being. The height of my being is where I know the truth. And if I would remember to use it more frequently, I would demonstrate at a far higher level, and I demonstrate pretty well. Yeah, it's funny, yesterday I, I was at a gathering, and I, I have issues with my weight. I have shame issues, and I don't want to fat shame anybody. I can do it to myself. I don't need to do it to you. But, I, but anybody listening, please know, it's, it's not the overweight thing that, that is bad, but it is hard on the knees, and it makes me uncomfortable in my mobility. And it has not occurred to me to simply go into prayer and say, help me with my appetites. Just help me with my eating. Not help me to lose weight, but help me with my cravings. 
Help me with my confusion. Now, I'm not going outside of myself asking for help. I'm going within and asking, help me. Because clearly, under my own ego, under my own uh, addiction, addictive stuff, I don't want to. I haven't wanted to. It's very comforting to eat sugar and cakes and everything. You know, I, I, if I thought I could get away with it, and I don't believe I can get away with it to say, help me to eat weight or lose weight while I eat cake. Because <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of me that wants to lose weight because out of ego and uh, I want to feel more attractive. Make myself more lusty. <laughs> I want to be objectified. <laughs> that will help my spirituality, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Thank you, sir. Oh, I don't know from the back of the room. <laughs> Always nice when they hit on the minister during a service. <laughs> so, Mrs. Brooks, Nona Brooks. Stated, they were all called Mrs., even if they weren't married yet. Stated, though the actual healing was instantaneous, yet I truly believe that the months and months of praying that I might receive light had been a preparation for the healing that had actually come to me in the form of light. I love to tell of the blessed change in outlook that came to us of our remarkable healing, of the quick improvement of the financial situation. In fact, our entire lives were transformed. We were enthusiastic, who would not be? We were deeply grateful for all of these blessings. And yet, while believing in nearly all, in nearly all of what we were taught, there were several points with which we were not fully in accord, and one was, we did not believe that the visible universe did not exist. There's a lot of spirituality that this is not real. So we did not believe that the physical universe did not exist, but was delusion and was to be denied. Our reason revolted at this, and we decided that form was the product of God's creative activity, and that this wonderful world was not to be denied, but to be understood and interpreted. Well, doesn't that make it easier to be in this space right now and rather than think the chair you sit on does not exist? Yeah. 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 It gives us something to work with, but it's still all, there's still one source. There's still one source in that. She called it God. I call it God. Okay, here's another quote of hers. Divine science is revealing to us two things. First, that healing is not a physical process, but spiritual realization. We all got that. I'm going to read it again. Healing is not a physical process, but spiritual realization, like the Christ in me is awake now. Uh, and second, that health is not a condition of physical well-being, only but the realization of a state of wholeness in the individual healing is the turning from the belief in disease to the realization of God's presence and perfect activity. God is health, 
She says, do I hear you asking? Since God is health and God is omnipresent, what is there to be healed? There is only one condition to be healed, our misconceptions. Just wonderful. I just love this gift. Everything here today is giving us a way. Perfect path to perfect health. Everything here. Tell all your friends. <laughs> and what we're hearing here, since God is health, there's only one condition to be healed, our misconceptions. Our misconceptions about our body and what the body does. It's the same with finances. There are misconceptions about money and finances and what they do and the source of them. Our relationships, our misconceptions of relationship and what they do about the world itself and our misconceptions about air, our misconceptions about food, our misconceptions about ourselves and our function. And so all we have to heal is our misconceptions. Well, how would we do that? Let me tell you. You can sit and get quiet and declare, I am willing for my misconceptions to be corrected now. Now, it's just, once you say that, ask yourself, do I mean it? Do I mean that? Do I want my misconceptions to be, to be corrected now? And you'll probably get a mixed answer. Well, some of them. <laughs> some of them I would like to have corrected now. The other ones I'm satisfied with. <laughs> the other misconceptions I'm quite satisfied with. And, uh, and it's a tough, it's so tough. It's just a tough one. It's not impossible. But we're talking about real spiritual work. Willingness. The willingness to see anew in spite of what the world seems to be showing us with our minds with its past information telling us that you you got the past telling you it's this but the truth is telling you it's this like kenneth is saying and it's like oh no it's time for a change and it doesn't have to be a hard change it really doesn't it doesn't have to be a rigid change although it, for some of us we might need that rigidity at the beginning and, and then that will flow into an ease within the practice. And it's like, they keep saying health. Full realization of health is a full possibility. Myrtle Fillmore, she went through up and down in her healing process where she was praying day after day after day after day. And then suddenly her body, one day I told you it's filled with pneumonia. What do I do? Clean your house. Who the heck hears that from spirit? Clean your house. But she did it. And by the end of the day, she didn't have any of the congestion left in her. Uh, and the other toughie was uh, later on in that two year period before she, there was no TB left was, uh, I'm sick again. I'm doing everything. I've looked at every fault I have. Well, look at your assets then. Look through your, make a list of your assets and see if there's anything amiss. Sure enough, there was pride. Pride that she never showed her upset because spiritual people don't have upset. If I'm getting well, I don't have upset. You know, and so she, and she had to find a balance. She had to find a balance to know, but I have 
upset, but my body's iffy today. I have upset. I don't have to hate myself or hide in a corner so people because then people won't think I'm spiritual enough. She could have her upset and not splay it on anyone, including herself. She could uh, realize the, oh, I'm uncomfortable today. I was talking to someone yesterday who talks about how, how hard she works on her program of healing. And she went through a rough time and I shared and I said, yeah, I worked really hard and I found that some days because I worked hard, I was the most uncomfortable. Because the it's, I, I compared it to, to like when David's dad was making his transition and my friend Richard a couple weeks ago, that was something, that's because their soul is separating from the body. And sometimes my past thoughts are separating from my, what I know to be true. Old thinking is separating. Ugh. And it's just, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, ouch. Ouch, the chemicalization process. It, it hurts some days. You know, I, uh, I am peace and I am joy and I am love. And somebody calls you on the phone and yells at you. For no good reason. I like, I'm just affirm peace and joy and love. Well, just because, and, and it's hard to realize, I can have that whether somebody yells at me or not. I can have that if the whole world, my world, is mistaken today. Because they see I'm changing my world. I am changing the world. The only world I know is the world I know. And I can change it. I have the power to do that through a correction of thinking or perception. Nona and her sisters, they began their study of meta metaphysics. Her sisters' names were Althea, Fanny, and then, of course, Nona. And when they, from there, they discovered Melinda Kramer in San Francisco. And what they saw, they were using the, the term for their teachings, divine science. Well, they found out Melinda Kramer was also using the term divine science. And they read her stuff and they said it matched theirs to a T. So they found her and they joined forces and said, do you mind if we also use divine science? This is what we teach. And she said, That's, look at that. We are from clear across to halfway across the country because they were midway. They, they were teaching the same things. They were having the same healings and realizations as a result. And so it was right to use uh, the same name. Now, Nona tells us, she says, now let me tell you something which intrigues me greatly and which shows how we came to call our teaching divine science. During these early years, while we three sisters were earnestly studying our basis, the omnipresence of God, in order to discover ever deeper, deeper meaning of this fundamental truth of our philosophy and to learn to apply it more definitely to the welfare of ourselves and others, a lady in San Francisco, Melinda E. Kramer, whom we did not know and who did not know us was working along the same line. After many years of in, 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 invalidism, I, is that, I said it right, didn't I? Yeah, I think about it and then I can't do it. Uh, she had been healed through her own realization of God's presence in her book, Divine Science and Healing. Mrs. Kramer's immediate, immediate thought was to get over to the world, or to get 
out into the world, let's put it that way. Her great discovery of God's power in each individual life. She burned with desire to show others that through the knowledge of truth, they could be freed from disease, poverty, and inharmonies of all kinds. She held meetings and taught classes in her home in San Francisco. She also did much successful healing work. She incorporated her college. She started a spiritual college out in San Francisco under the name of Home College of Divine Science in 1887. That's the year after Myrtle Fillmore started her healing. Because remember, unity didn't begin until 1889. In, in 1889, Mrs. Kramer came to Denver uh, and taught her first class there. And we found to our delight that her teaching tallied with ours to AT, as she says. We who up to this time had been nameless asked that we might call our teaching divine science also. And she said yes. And, and so there was a fine cooperation between the two groups. This coming together of two closely related streams of thought has always been thrilling to me. Three sisters in Colorado and one dynamic woman in California, unknown to each other, thought out the same outline of teaching. They were consecrated to truth and to the inner word and both received the same message. When they came face to face, they knew they belonged together. And there was closest feeling of unity between them. Mrs. Kramer's teaching was so deep that only profound thinkers could understand her. Consequently, she never had a large number in her group. However, her healings were among the most remarkable I have seen. Uh, and after her death in 1907, Denver became the headquarters of the divine science. So another quote, to change environment or outer conditions, we do not have to work directly with them, but with our own thinking about them. We understand that. If I want to change what's out in the street, I don't work with what's out in the street. I have to work with my own thinking about it. Years ago, I, uh, I used to lead a weekly meditation at the Unity of New York on 30th Street. There was jackhammering going on right outside our group as we're going around for prayer requests before I'm about to lead a meditation. And I uh, actually, I did kind of, um, everybody prayer request. And my prayer request was for uh, a silencing of the sound. And it was like a, somebody turned the knob, it just stopped. Like somebody turned the knob and turned it down. And I was fascinated by that. I thought I had the thought that it was possible. And I may have said, I, my prayer request today is that that noise go down. And it did. So I, my thinking was it was possible. Why would I take the time to pray over something if I didn't think it was possible? Why bother to take the time to pray if you think your prayers will have no effect? Now, we all know we have prayed thinking it was possible and the exact opposite happened. We have done that. I have. I assume I'm not alone in this room. So there's, a, again, a divine order at work that I don't understand and things happen. But I do know that I have manifested a lot. Just simple things. Simple things in life. I have seen headaches leave uh, my head in a, in a prayer circle. I've seen things like that. I remember once I, uh, I was at Unity Village. There was a pair of sneakers I really wanted. See, we're allowed to enjoy the world. 
There was a pair of sneakers. I really couldn't find them anywhere in New York. They, they apparently the, that style had been discontinued, but I wanted them. And I was at Unity Village and I had the morning off for my classes. This is years ago, a lot of years ago. And I, uh, I said, today's the day I find my sneakers. And I went to the ratty old mall a few miles away. And I walked into a, a footlocker and there was my sneaker on sale and the only size they had was mine. <laughs> what I didn't know is how uncomfortable they would be. <laughs> they were not fun to wear. <laughs> True thing. The substance of the body is spirit. There is nothing else for it to be. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Like produces like. Knowing the body to be spirit, we come into the perception of its true nature. We no longer condemn it to weakness and limitation. We see it as holy, as whole, an expression of universal life. We reap the fruits of our thoughts, for we begin to see the true state of the body. And so now every day, let us affirm that uh, my body is made in spirit. And so my body is spirit. My body is made in spirit. We're the ones here today, the 20 of us here today, to uh, prove these principles true. And however watches this this week, I was very impressed two weeks ago, I saw that we had almost 300 views on my Sunday talk. Not during the talk, but by yesterday. And so everybody who watches this on Facebook, it's your responsibility to prove these principles true. Be aware of that. It's not something to just lightly Go ahead, prove, prove it now, prove it now, prove it now. And finally, it is by the process of resurrection that we rise out of the contemplation of that which is hidden. The mysteries, as we have called these, into the full light where everything is made clear, there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed to the one who sees the unity of life. We are rising into a recognition of the glory of process when we stand before a blade of grass and see that even this is wonderful. Now, most of you know, two weeks ago I went home to see my best friend make his transition to be with him. Now, I've known this man since I was 17 years old. And we have talked almost every day for 40 years since I moved away six and a half years after we got together. And I've never been with anyone. I've never helped someone cross over. And I was with him and I held his hand. I got there late on a Friday, very late on a Friday night. I drove the Pennsylvania Turnpike in the dark. I did all sorts of things that do not thrill me to do. And I had help. David talked me through the last two hours of my, my drive in that dark, keep me awake, go through tunnels. And uh, Richard's friend, Renee, at home, she and her family, I was on the phone with Renee a lot. She, she manages the nursing home that he was in at the end and, uh, at her family. And so when I got there and I just held his hand all night and talked to him, he couldn't communicate with me anymore at that point. Uh, he had made a decision on Wednesday, no medication. He was given a terminal diagnosis and he didn't want to go on any longer. He's going to be 80 very shortly. And he made a choice to go. Now, by Saturday, he was gone, 3.11 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. And I, I was right there, and it was fascinating. It's not like the movies. You know, he was there, and then he wasn't. And I could see his skin change immediately. And I could see that 
An hour later, I was walking through a mall, as I am wont to do. I had nothing else to do. I went to South Oz Village Mall. And I'm walking through there thinking, I'm never going to hear his laugh again. And it hurt my heart. And suddenly I was blessed with a visual. A wonderful vision. And it was him walking. And I have no idea where he was. But he was younger and thinner. And a big fluffy teal sweatshirt. And his big beautiful smile was there. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was just walking. And I thought, I can give him that. I wasn't robbed of my friend. And I wasn't going to rob him of his crossing over experience by asking him to be different or it to be different. And I don't know where I got these ideas from. I just knew. And I am forever grateful for all that he gave. And hopefully I gave to him over the years. And we gave him a beautiful funeral that week. And, uh, but every time I, I until couple of days ago, I just kept seeing him walking in that sweatshirt and smiling. And he didn't need to talk to anybody. And he didn't, and I didn't need anything because it had already been given. And that was the change of perception. It's, you know, so sometimes we need to leave our body and we need to move on from this. That is not a betrayal of this. The betrayal of this is living in fear of leaving our body, of living in a panic of everything in the world that will rob us of this body. We affirm the truth and then we stay open to experience. We affirm the truth and we stay open to the divine voice. We affirm the truth so that we may change our world. Your world and my world is not our mother's world. It is not our grandmother's world. It is not our grandfather's world. Your world is your world. My world is my world. And we have the power to change it from any limited thinking that we took on before. We can change everything into something wonderful even on the days it hurts, even on the days it feels like, oh my goodness, but this good thing was taken from me. I can't ever call this person again. I can't ever do this again. I don't know if I'll ever have money again. And it doesn't matter because I can change everything with my thinking about it. And if my willingness is, I'm willing for it to change for good for everybody. For everybody, for everybody, for everybody. That's why I took this job years ago. I thought maybe I can help change it all for everybody for good. So, again, it's about to sing a, a very profound song written by Sue Krupa, musician I know from Florida. And uh, it explains our responsibility and our capability. <laughs> 